Thanks for tuning into the Tom Nicola podcast, the audio version of my written articles. Like my website, I don't load my content with advertisements, but I do want to mention a couple of things I personally offer. First, the Nicola newsletter. Each Thursday, I send out my latest blog post and a popular article from my archive, along with other valuable content I've come across from the previous week. My subscribers love getting their newsletter because it contains more than my own articles. Of course, it's free. Just go to tomnicola.com slash subscribe. Second, when you're ready to get serious about your health and fitness and want an efficient and effective program to follow, join Vigor Training. You get access to all of my workout programs for just $29 per month. Learn more and join at tomnicola.com slash vigor. That's V-I-G-O-R. On to the article. How too much cardio or endurance training is bad for you. Why don't you include more cardio in your vigor training workout programs? Isn't cardio more important than weight training? I get these questions quite often. We've been sold the idea that aerobic exercise is best since the mid-1960s, so it's no surprise that people are confused when they see so little cardio or endurance exercise in the men's and women's fitness programs I create. My quick response to the question above is, weight training is more important than cardio. Of course, more, most people want to understand why I say that. If you're among those who believe cardio is the most important form of exercise, I hope the rest of this article helps you rethink that belief. If you already understand why strength training is more important than cardio, but have a hard time convincing others, I hope this article gives you the speaking points to pass along. Or just share this article with those you're trying to convince. I realize my perspective will probably ruffle some feathers before you get your undies or running shorts in a bunch. Read through or listen to the rest of the article and give it some thought. Life is too short to run in the wrong direction when you don't need to. Pun intended. This article might not be for you. Before getting into the reasons not to do cardio, I do need to point out that this article is not suited for everyone. This article is not intended for you if you're a competitive endurance athlete, you love to run more than you care about your long-term health, keep running or do some other endurance exercise. Sometimes doing what you love is more important than doing what's the healthiest or best for your body. This article is intended for you if your goal is to be lean, strong, healthy, and energetic, and you want to live as long as possible with the best quality of life. Let's get on with it. Why is cardio not the best type of exercise for health, fitness, and longevity? Number one, cardio causes muscle loss. Don't lose muscle. That should be the first goal of any health and fitness plan. It's even better if you can build muscle, but whatever you do, don't lose muscle. Muscle is your quality of life savings account. The less muscle you have as you enter your later years, the more likely it is you'll die early. Your body adapts to physical stimulus. When you run, cycle, walk on step mills, or do other long duration endurance activity, the signal you give your body is this. I need to be able to move slowly for a long period of time 
as efficiently as possible. In response to that stimulus, your body starts looking for ways to lighten the load. You'd like the weight it drops to come just from fat, but it doesn't work that way. You lose some fat, and you lose some muscle. If you're a competitive endurance athlete, and your passion for competing is stronger than your desire to be as healthy as possible, as long as possible, keep at it. However, if you run because you think it's healthy for you, the effect it has on muscle mass is reason enough to treat endurance exercise like drinking alcohol. Do so sparingly. Muscle mass affects your metabolic rate, ability to store carbohydrates, support your joints, and a whole host of other functions related to health and fitness. Maintaining or even building muscle into old age is the most important controllable factor in longevity. Number two, endurance training may lower thyroid. When coaching members of Vigor Training, I try to avoid focusing on calorie counting. It's unnecessary for achieving a lean, healthy body. Note, for those who want to reach single-digit body fat percentages for a physique contest or bodybuilding show, calorie counting and macronutrient tracking may be necessary. But I'm writing for most people in this article. Most people would be ecstatic to no longer have their belly hanging over their belt or to see some definition in their delts while they're looking in the mirror. With all that said, I do need to talk about calorie deficit in the context of cardio or endurance exercise. Although many people compensate for their cardio by rewarding themselves with food and eliminate any body composition benefits they might otherwise enjoy, a large percentage of people add endurance exercise to their lifestyle while eating the same way they always have. In theory, adding exercise to your normal diet would create a calorie deficit and help you lose weight. For a little while, it does. You lose some fat and you lose some muscle. Eventually though, your body starts to react to the calorie deficit with what's termed a starvation response. Even though you might still be eating a considerable amount of food, if you're burning significantly more calories than you consume, your body responds as though there is a food shortage. This doesn't happen in a day or even a week. But at some point, your body thinks you're starving, even if you're carrying around an extra 100 pounds of body fat. Your body reduces thyroid production, which lowers your metabolic rate. Research shows that when you maintain your normal calorie intake and add endurance training to your lifestyle, the calorie deficit can cause hypothyroidism. It's even worse for those who think a lower calorie diet combined with cardio is the solution for getting lean. The larger the gap between the calories you consume and the calories you burn, the greater the stress you put on your body. That isn't the worst part about low thyroid levels though. The low thyroid levels make you feel tired and lowers your capacity for exercise, making the act of exercising even more difficult. By the way, you can maintain a slight deficit and safely lose body fat by eating a high-protein diet, moderating carbs, and following a good strength training program. Not to sound like an infomercial, but if that sounds bad, just wait. There's more. 3. Cardio can increase cortisol. Given enough time with the calorie deficit, cortisol levels start to rise. 
Among its many effects, chronically high cortisol causes muscle tissue loss, or in our case here, more muscle tissue loss. As your muscles shrivel up, you lose space for storing carbs. The irony is, most of the friends you run with will probably tell you to fill up on carbs to fuel your runs too. That's a double whammy because you end up eating more carbohydrates than normal while simultaneously reducing your ability to store them. In the end, most of that carb loading goes to your love handles or thighs while the muscle on your arms and legs gets smaller and smaller. Even worse, if you decide to stick to a calorie-restricted diet while you're adding all that cardio, you lose even more muscle faster. Of course, the answer, as I've already explained, isn't to just cut back on calories and keep doing cardio. That'll make you skinny fat. You'll look normal in jeans and a long sleeve shirt, but underneath, your body fat percentage is still quite high, and you've lost most of the muscle you had when you started this whole thing out. In women, the stress of the calorie deficit can lead to amenorrhea, too. You might associate amenorrhea with eating disorders, but excessive exercise can cause the same problems. It isn't about too little food, it's about living with too big a gap between what you consume and what you burn. 4. Aerobic exercise isn't very effective for fat loss. By now, this shouldn't come as a surprise. It's not easy to get lean when you lose muscle, suppress your thyroid, and raise your cortisol. Does that happen to everyone? No. Do some people successfully get lean by doing mainly cardio? Yes. However, not everyone who smokes regularly develops cancer, bad teeth, and yellow fingernails either. That doesn't make cigarette smoking a good stress reliever, even though it does relieve stress. If you don't believe me and decide to try it anyway, here's what you can expect. You'll lose weight and feel pretty good for the first three to six weeks, assuming you haven't run down this road before. Around weeks four to eight, the weight loss will slow or stop. You'll start to feel more fatigued, even if you eat a little more. You might also get a cold or some other sickness since the elevated cortisol compromises your immune system. You'll wonder why you're no longer losing weight and why you feel so lethargic. You might assume it's just in your head. You might also decide to eat a little less and exercise a little more to get your weight moving again. It'll work for about two to three weeks, and then you'll hit another plateau. Eventually, you'll realize there isn't enough time in the week to exercise anymore, and life is miserable eating so little. If you don't listen soon enough, you might end up with adrenal fatigue, or sickness more serious than a common cold. Hopefully, you'll remember this article and choose a better way of exercising to get lean. Even if you don't end up in the downward spiral of a never-ending calorie deficit, you might struggle to get lean with endurance training for a few other reasons. One, you might unconsciously eat more food, especially more carbohydrate-rich food, to compensate for the energy you burn during exercise. Two, if you exercise as part of a club, like a run club or a cycle club, you'll be more likely to use food and alcohol as an after-exercise reward rather than following your training session with a steak and broccoli. Three, you'll unconsciously sit more during the rest of the day. Research call, researchers call the non-exercise energy you burn non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or NEAT, NEAT. And studies show that NEAT 
is lower in those who participate in high-intensity exercise. When it's appropriate to use cardio for fat loss, of course, I'm not saying that no one should ever do cardio. These are a few circumstances when I do incorporate more cardio into a client's programming. One, when you need to lose the last 10 to 15 pounds before stepping into a wedding gown, onto a bodybuilding stage, finish a weight loss contest, or need some half-naked photos for your Instagram feed. Two, for women with PCOS or higher androgen levels, where they already have a significant amount of muscle mass. Three, in those who've been completely sedentary for years and need to simply move more for a couple of months before transitioning to strength training. Number five, endurance training can lead to repetitive use injuries. An average man running a six minute mile takes more than 1000 strides per mile. That's about 500 landings per leg. A five mile run would be about 5000 strides. It's not surprising that knee, ankle, and hip pain is, among, is common among people who run, who aren't competitive runners. The way you land when you run has a significant impact on how much stress your ankles, knees, and hips take with each foot strike. Most competitive runners land on their middle foot to forefoot. Inexperienced runners usually land on their heels, causing much more force to jar through their lower limbs and hips. No matter which way you land, though, you still hit the ground with a significant force each footfall. Walking the same distance reduces the force, but it increases the number of strides. When you walk, you're also more likely to land on your heel. When it comes down to it, some people were built to run. Those who weren't are more likely to get hurt. However, everyone can safely lift weights. Number six, endurance training may increase inflammation. Inflammation is one of the key contributors to heart and other degenerative disease, free radical production, and other health problems. A little inflammation isn't bad. You even get some inflammation with strength training, which is part of the cause of delayed onset muscle soreness, or DOMS. With endurance training, the inflammation may not feel as extreme, but it can last longer. While a 20-minute cardio session on an elliptical probably won't increase inflammation, longer duration endurance exercises will, even in seasoned athletes. The repetitive pounding and muscle damage from running increases inflammation, as does the glycogen depletion caused by longer duration aerobic exercise. Quote, the immune system reflects the stress the body goes through during long distance running. After every long run, the immune system is heavily occupied with repairing muscle damage. Stress hormones increase as glycogen levels decrease, contributing to transient inflammation and immune dysfunction. David Neiman, Appalachian State University Human Performance Lab. It's unfortunate that so many people associate running a marathon as something healthy because it's not. It can actually be counter to cardiovascular health. Research shows that atherosclerotic plaque was present in arteries of 90% of marathon runners aged 50 to 75 years old. In addition, carotid intimacy media thickness, CIMT, another marker of atherosclerosis, was no different in young, middle-aged, or veteran endurance athletes, nor their age-matched sedentary spouses. 
Granted, these are populations-based studies I'm referring to. However, if endurance training really was good for your heart, you'd expect at least a little bit of superiority when it comes to the heart health of endurance athletes compared to others. Number seven, endurance training compromises gut barrier function. If you listen to avid endurance athletes, they'll often talk about respiratory and gut issues. Digestive distress is all too common. It seems that endurance training plus glycogen depletion wreaks havoc on your gut permeability, allowing proteins to enter the circulation and increasing the chance of developing food sensitivities or allergies. Of course, some of the gut permeability problem can be resolved with a better diet. Number eight, chronic cardio may lower testosterone. Testosterone usually drops when cortisol rises. We've already discussed the fact that cortisol often increases with endurance training. There's actually a term for this drop in testosterone associated with exercise in men. Exercise hypogonadal male condition, a state of long-term low testosterone levels caused by endurance training or by maintaining extremely low body fat levels for sports like gymnastics, wrestling, and running. Although it's considered a male condition, women are just as likely, if not more likely, to experience lower testosterone. At least half of testosterone in women is made from DHEA, which is supplied by the adrenal glands. When the adrenal glands have to pump out cortisol, they don't make as much testosterone. The effects of low testosterone include decreased protein or muscle synthesis, muscle building, increased protein breakdown, suppressed bone formation, and depressed mood. That's no good for men or women. Number nine, endurance training leads to low bone density. I started this list talking about the importance of muscle. While muscle mass, in my opinion, is the most modifiable risk factor in long-term health, bone density would be a second. I mentioned this in my article on the health benefits of strength training, but it's worth repeating again. According to the National Osteoporosis Foundation, a woman's risk of fa fracture is equal to her combined risk of getting breast, uterine, and ovarian cancer. Men are more likely to break a bone due to osteoporosis than to get prostate cancer. A quarter of 50-plus-year-old hip fracture patients die within a year of the fracture. Six months after getting a hip fracture, only 15% of patients can walk across the room without assistance. Consider those statements and then listen to this. Quote, Current research suggests that bone health in distance runners, cyclists, and swimmers tend to be inferior to that seen in athletes of other sports. The consequences of reduced bone accrual in young athletes and maintenance of bone mass in masters athletes include an increased rate of, of stress fracture and risk of fragility fractures later in life. Schofield K. et al. Interestingly, the researchers in that study even found that the bone density of some endurance athletes was less than that of their inactive peers. If not cardio, then what? While some people were born with a body that's better suited for running, everyone can lift weights. Everyone benefits from lifting weights. And in my opinion, weight training should be the priority for almost everyone. 
You can build and maintain muscle and bone density, get leaner, improve cardiovascular function, and much more. I always encourage people to join a gym, but you don't have to if one isn't accessible or within your budget. You need access to free weights like barbells, dumbbells, a bench, and a squat rack. There's a good chance that someone right now has everything you need for sale on Craigslist. When you're ready to follow a professionally designed strength training program, join Vigor Training.